And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM, and we have no quiz to give away because... It got snapped up by Varney the Brain. On just one clue, and it was an obscure clue at that. And she got it before you did, so she won double prizes. Yes, you did. Mm. A bit bit sad about that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Was it the third time that it's ever happened? Mm-hmm. For the third time, mm-hmm. and it's the only time an adult has ever. It's pulled the only it time off. an adult, yeah. Usually, the kids snap it up and they, yeah, whip you. <coughs> well, congratulations, Varney. We are so glad that you have uh, snapped that one up, and uh, yeah, well done. Congratulations, well done indeed. Well, I'm having such a week. I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> a week. It, it's been a week of like disaster <laughs> artist kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, t- so tell me about your quick trip out of the office just then uh, during the interview that I did with uh-huh. David Stoyjik. Yeah, so because Mon wasn't here, so I'm just having one of those weeks where my brain's just gone to putty. I'm having like serious brain fog, and like even just a couple of days ago, like when I came to came to the office and forgotten like my laptop and everything I used for the show, and I had to dip back in the middle of the show as well to go get it and still left it at home and then was catching the bus home from my other job and then just was watching my bus drive past me instead of flagging it down. It actually stopped at my bus stop and let people off and let people on and I just sat there looking at it and just watched it drive off. Like that's how bad the brain fog is. So just to give you an idea. So this morning, brain fog again and I'm late. So I turn up late, forgot all my stuff. So in the break, I drive home again, steal Lyle's car, drive back to my house Forgot my house keys, so I had to break into my house during the. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly easy to break into my own house. It turns out. Yeah. <laughs> there's a more. There's an even more funny aspect of this story, Mon. What's that? that you have not even realised yet. What's that? That I'm not even going to tell you until the next break. <laughs> is is this, I'm, I'm because there's this there's this thing called radio. Yeah. Right. And, and, and when you're on radio, the way it works is that the whole world gets to yeah, hear. Yeah, it. I know, I know. I'm, I'm just being honest about how silly I am. Uh, but, but the cool thing is, while I was at home, because I had run to work this morning, so I was really sweaty. And it turns out breaking into houses. Okay, is dirty so, so work. it works a little bit like this, Mike. Works a little bit like this. Uh-huh. Um, my son also lives at your house, uh, yeah. and because my son lives at your house, mm-hmm. you gave me something special some time ago. I gave you. Something it has special. colours on it. It's called a house key. I know, I know. (laughs) No, the house key was on my... Oh, I had it the whole time. I had the house key the whole time and broke into my own house. Oh, man, I am such a moron. I am such... I did give you a spare key, didn't I? And I had your car keys because I drove you... Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I broke into my own house. And I ruined the fly screen. It's just getting better. Because I had to, I had to pop this fly screen out, and then I stood it up against the house, right? And then I grabbed a, a lawn chair, and then I put the lawn chair up against the window to climb in. But as I was doing it, I kind of like stumbled, and I accidentally stuck the the chair leg through the fly screen. So now I need. To- Amanda Bunny, grab yourself a piece of new fly screen. I'll, oh, one of the boys thanks, can, can, Emery will, can put it in for you. It's a piece of cake. It's a very simple procedure. The good news is I got in a sneaky shower. Oh, okay. Because I was, I was so we sweaty. Are all, we are all thankful. I was so sweaty and dirty from breaking into houses and running down streets. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me just have a quick rinse. Uh, so I'm feeling very why fresh don't we, why, don't, why don't we have an encounter with God? That would be great. Let's, be let's, great let's right read now. the Bible together. Yes, I'm all, I'm all for that. I really <coughs> mean your wife is sending me emojis of laughing faces. <laughs> I can't believe I broke into my own house and I had that key. And I didn't just even realize best. until you just told That's me. Just the best. Oh, I'm so silly. Oh, I can't I was wait to tell you that off week. here. And I'm like, no, nah, hang on. I'm just going <laughs> to. 
This is going out to the world. Oh, can it please just be next week already? <laughs> I'm so happy it's Friday tomorrow. Matthew, Mark, yes. Luke, John. All right. Mark, I, I can't wait for tomorrow. <laughs> What's going to happen? No. Tomorrow I'm getting up at like three in the morning, so I'm sure. <laughs> so I'll have all my bases covered. I'll oh, double check everything. I don't think I've ever laughed as much on radio before. <laughs> such an, there, there is a reason why a I get up as early as I get up. And there is a reason why, I, you know, the other day, um, let, me, let me share what happened to me the other day. Go okay? on, go on. So I go to go to work. Mm-hmm. I've only got one car there. The battery's flat. Oh, yeah. Ah, but there's a spare battery sitting on the ground in front of the car, so I'm in good shape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just need my jumper leads. I check behind the seat where the jumper leads live. The jumper leads are not there. Then I remember that's because my son borrowed them and they might be out in the paddock where his uh, spare car, Mm -hmm. parts car is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wandering around in the paddock in the middle of the night with a torch looking for my uh, jumper leads, searched the shed, searched searched next door, called my son, Dragged him out of bed, all that kind of stuff. Can't find my jumper leads. Uh-huh. Eventually, I find my jumper leads under a pile of junk in my garage. Oh, Lyle. Not that there's much junk in my garage, but we won't yeah. go there. Still made it to work with an, half an hour to spare. <laughs> half an hour to spare. Oh, goodness me. Because Humans. I make allowances uh-huh. for emergency. Uh-huh. The, 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 the key here is allowances for, for emergencies. Emerg- anyway. I might try that tomorrow. All right, good. <coughs> Mark chapter 9, verse 38. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. We're continuing talking about unity, 38. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Ooh, this is an interesting story. I really like this story, actually, because it, um, you know, it, it, it reveals some things about exclusivity. Oh, yeah? I've been told at times to stop preaching. Oh, wow, what? Who? Why? Yeah, absolutely. That's terrible. Why were they trying to stop? Stop, you- stop preaching in the name of Jesus even. you know. Well, obviously everybody preaches in the name of Jesus, so that sort of goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you a bad preacher? Is that what it was? You're delivering no, an awful sermon? it wasn't a bad preacher. It was because of uh, my employment. What do you People mean? People objected to who I was employed by. That's crazy. And I'm like, I'm just preaching the word of God. This has got nothing to do with employment. This is just the word of God. I am here preaching the word of God and reaching out to people because I want to see people give their lives to Jesus, experience the Christian life, and find salvation. Amen. But it sounds like it sounds like the disciples here were doing it's, the same thing. This this is a trait that still exists within Christianity today. If you're not of our group, you shouldn't be preaching. That's so sad considering the Bible is so clear about it. It is. It is. And, and, and you know, or you're in a, a group over there. We disagree with some of the things that you talk about, so you shouldn't be preaching. Mm. You know, the Bible gives religious liberty. It's one of the greatest freedoms that there is. That is the liberty to be wrong, the freedom to be wrong. Along with that, you have the freedom to disagree with somebody else. This is what freedom is all about, and that's of course is going to you know result in 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 vibrant. Debates at times. I'm not quite sure whether that's the right word or not, but that's the word <laughs> I'm running works. with. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 uh, it, it does, it, it, it involves, you know, strident debates at times. Maybe strident rather than vibrant was the word I was looking for. And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing because that's how people learn. Mm-hmm. You know, people learn by discussing backwards and forwards and, and uh, it's part of the religious liberty that God extends to us. And so, you know, here you found, you know, there's, there's, there's the disciples, they've gone out as missionaries. Jesus sent them out as missionaries. They've found people preaching in the name of Jesus and they're like, no, don't stop. You can't be doing that. 
It reminds me of the story of William Penn. Okay. William Penn founded the state of Pennsylvania. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he founded the city of Philadelphia. He called it Philadelphia because the word Philadelphia means brotherly love. But do you know he nearly didn't because he was nearly executed? What? Seriously. He was in England and he was caught preaching without a license from the Anglican Church. Oh, that's so silly. And he was on trial for his life. For preaching without a license. For preaching without a license. That is just crazy. It's like, no, you're not part of our group, therefore you can't preach. And we're going to kill you. And, and yeah, yeah, on top of that, we'll... we'll, we'll that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Now, he was found innocent, and it's interesting the way he was found innocent because it's a part of the judicial system that we often overlook. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judicial system and the jury system that we have is remarkably powerful. And so what happened was that the jury found him innocent, even though he was obviously guilty, uh, because they recognized that the first work of the jury is not to judge the defendant, but to judge the law by which the defendant is being judged. Amen. And most juries have no idea about that and are never instructed about that. Wow. And so they judged the law. They found the law to be unjust. Therefore, they found him to be innocent. Of course, back in those days, things were a little bit different. And so what did they do? They imprisoned the jury because the jury had been instructed by the judge to find him guilty. And when they found him innocent and went against the judge, they got locked up. That is corruption. Oh, that was just the way it worked back in the day, right? The way way it worked. One of the jurors uh, was an incredibly wealthy man. He owned a shipping business, multiple ships all over the world. And they threatened, you know, that they were going to take all of his possessions off him. They were going to destroy him financially. He just said, my freedom is not for sale. While he's locked up. Amen. But he was standing for freedom. And uh, praise God for people who stood for freedom back then. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And what was more interesting was that the jury, of course, was made up of Anglicans. You wouldn't pick a, you know, a Puritan jury back then to judge a Puritan person. You pick Anglicans because they're going to find him guilty. Mm-hmm. But they're made up of Anglicans, but they found that the law was unjust. Therefore, the defendant was innocent. Innocent. And, uh, and on the base of that, William Penn survived and travelled to the United States where he did have true freedom and founded the state of Pennsylvania and the great city of Philadelphia, which is one of the greatest cities in the United States these days. I like that it's called Brotherly Love. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of doesn't really go with the Rocky theme, does it? No, not at all. Or but- cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on from there, we have this particular situation. Let's uh, read a couple verses on. Verse 39, please. Uh, of chapter 10, mm-hmm. 39. Let me just find that. Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Wait, do you mean oh, chapter sorry, 9? Chapter 9, yeah, chapter 9. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin... Oh, you're going too far. You're going too far. You're getting getting off the subject. It was just after the the one verse there, but um, it it, it shows Jesus' attitude towards this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if he's preaching in my name, Mm -hmm. don't stop him. Yeah. Why would you stop him? If he's not against us, he can only be for us. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and uh, you know sometimes I accept preaching appointments in in places that uh, you know some people are like really seriously you're going to go and preach there to that group of people why would you preach to that group of people that's exactly why you should preach to that group of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is that's up with that group of people, if they're being referred to as such, they probably need some preaching. Yes, would you uh, rather somebody else go and preach there that uh, is not preaching in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that we need to recognize is that every single person out there is the blood child of God. Amen. Every single person out there has the potential, you know, has a potential that God has outlined for them um, that God has specified that you know this is this is uh, you know, this is their life. This is where you know what they can do. This is what they can accomplish, and God, what God wants to see done with that life. And every single one of them has the potential of eternal life. Amen. It's true. It's yeah. absolutely true. And we need to never forget that. We need to always remember that as being the case. Okay, so let's go over to John chapter ten and verse sixteen. <coughs> You could read that one for us, please, Mon. John 10 and 16. Yeah. You know, even though I have brain fog, I thankfully can still remember where the books of the Bible are. There you go. <clears throat> 10, 16, 10, 16. Some of these things get imprinted on our brains and never go away. Amen. Thank you for that, Lord. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there'll be one flock with one shepherd. Okay, so the Bible talks here about um, multiple sheep. Yeah. That belong to clearly multiple folds. Mm-hmm. A fold being a, uh, you know, uh, the, the sheep fold back in ancient times was a fenced in area where you would keep your sheep at night to keep them safe. Uh, during the day, they would free roam under the care of a shepherd. And he's like, there's lots of sheep folds out there, and I own lots of sheep in all of those folds. I've got this fold right here, I want them all in my fold. But the simple reality is there are lots of sheep out there that have lots of folds. Now, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. You're a Seventh-day Adventist. Does that mean that outside of the Seventh-day Adventist church, everybody's lost? No, not at all. Does that mean that outside of, you know, and we could we could take that even further. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be super controversial right go now. Go on, go on. I'm going to say that there are people outside the fold of yeah, because you know, when, when I make that statement, yeah, Christians generally agree. I think that uh, there'd be very few Christians that would disagree that there are, you know, that they are the only ones who are going to be saved. I think I, I think there are very few Christians that would take that stand. Um, and so, ge- Christians generally agree that you know, Christians of all denominations are going to be saved. Mm-hmm. I think we're all clear on that. Um, but I'm going to say something super controversial, and I'm going to say that there are some people of other faiths. Okay. And even no faith. Yeah. That will be saved. I actually agree with you on that one. All right. But if you disagree, give us a call. Yes. 1-800-324-843. Or text me or text us on 0491-064-669. If we've got time to dig into it in more detail in our third segment, we will look at some of the passages that speak about non-Christians who are saved. Is not my job, it is not your job to judge anyone in relationship to salvation. That is God's job, and it is his decision and his decision alone. Okay, so the Bible speaks about one fold, and the Bible speaks about lots of sheep yep. that are spread around in many different folds that belong to the owner of that one fold. So obviously Jesus wants, his desire is for unity, 
But at the same time, he recognises that perfect unity is never going to be a reality. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have many different Christians of many different faiths and beliefs and practices, and every single one of them you know, serving God absolutely 100% sincerely, sincerely uh, in, in, in many different ways. Um, and as a result of that, you're going to have... Uh, um, <coughs> You've got you know sheep from all over the place. So, can you explain why it is you think that? Um, or we're going to have for the next segment about you know why is you think that people outside of this faith or any faith will be saved? Yeah, I want to talk about something else first. Okay, go on, go on. So you got, right. you got me all intrigued now. I know. I'm, I'm going I'm to make you all hang out for <laughs> that one. Give us a call beforehand. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is our number if you would like to talk about this subject. So. Here's an interesting thought then. Mm-hmm. If there are Christians from all different faiths and even other faiths who are going to be saved, does that mean that it's important what church you belong to? And if you belong to a church that you believe is the closest that there is to truth, because no church has a monopoly on truth, obviously your responsibility before God is to find the one that you know is the closest to the truth. Um if you belong to a church like that, should you mix or not mix with other Christians? I look. I think you should definitely look for the church that is the most closest aligned with the, the teachings of the Bible. Yeah, and I think we have responsible responsibility um, as well. Well, to, to settle for anything less than that is just to make a decision in favour yeah. of mediocrity. Who wants to make a decision in favour of mediocrity? Yeah, and I think I think we have responsibility um, uh, and akin to our and into our. Uh, Opportunity and being in Australia, we have plenty of opportunity. We have you know, the the freedom to study our Bibles, the freedom to to you know um, uh, look at different churches and see what they teach and see what they. It's not like we're hindered in any way, really. Hmm. Um, so we should most definitely take advantage of the freedom, the freedom we have right now, uh, to study into that and to and to definitely go through the different churches, what they teach, and then to choose which closely aligns to the Bible. Sure, okay. Let me move this further on then and let's talk about the ecumenical movement. What yes. does the word ecumenical mean? Does it mean like all mixed together and just all one? And Yeah. Yeah. So the ecumenical movement is based around the fact that we all recognise that Christians from all different faiths are going to be saved. Yeah. The next step that people take from that is like, well, why make an issue over different beliefs or denominations or anything like that? Just everybody be happy and love each other. Yeah, see, it sounds so, it, it sounds so, you know, happy, clappy, wishy washy kind of thing. But to me, it, to me, it's almost like communism. Sounds good in theory, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that, Mon. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think instead of being like focused on everyone just being happy and getting along, we actually need to be focused on on truth. Yeah. Yeah. And finding truth and practicing truth. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Irrespective the, Bible actually, the Bible actually talks about the danger of the ecumenical movement. Oh, really? Mm, the ecumenical movement is a part of Bible prophecy. Okay. Now, before I read this, I do need to state that there are there has been some really important and necessary parts of the ecumenical movement. Because, you know, we've had some terrible things in our world in the past. You know, for instance, in probably the most recent ones would be Northern Ireland or uh, the Balkans. 
We've got Christians going to war against each other because they have different Christian beliefs. So Protestants versus Catholics in uh, Ireland, um, Orthodox versus Catholics in the Balkans, you know, this kind of stuff. Nobody wants to see that happen. Mm, Nobody should ever be going to war with anyone whatsoever at all. And the rise of the ecumenical movement has um, really reduced that level of warfare, which is not a bad thing. We're going to talk more about it when we come back right after this.
You're listening to Selah. His eye is on the sparrow. Let's go over to Revelation chapter 16. Lyle, we've had people texting us asking you to, to, oh, okay. to elaborate on what you said about people other, other faiths. faiths and people of no faiths uh-huh, being uh-huh, saved. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Hot topic. Right. Revelation 16. Yep, Revelation, Revelation 16. The ecumenical movement coming up here. And as I was saying beforehand, the ecumenical movement has done a lot of good things in our world. There used to be time in the in the past where, you know, Protestant walking down the street, a Catholic comes the other way. They'd cross the street rather than walk beside them. It's, it's just so disgusting. It is absolutely disgraceful. It's disgusting, disgusting. That these people we should be like... Ha- we needed to have an ecumenical movement to solve those kinds of issues. Yeah, because it's disgusting that people should say they're Christians and they're representing Christ and then they treat other humans like that. And then they go, to war, like they go to war with somebody who's of a different faith. I can't faith. they never read The Good Samaritan. Yeah. Like, oh, anyway... And, you know, uh, we talked about the Balkans, but, you know, the Balkans is not just a a Roman Catholic Orthodox war, but Islam was included in that as well. And we shouldn't be fighting against Islam just because we don't like their religion either. That's right. And Islam shouldn't be fighting us just because they don't like ours. We should uh, be able to give everybody religious liberty because that's what God does. That's right. Okay, Revelation 16, verse 13. Let's read about frogs. Frogs. Yes, frogs. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Okay, this is interesting. What do they do in verse 14? They are demonic spirits who work miracles and Mm -hmm. go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of the God Almighty. So they're working miracles and gathering so you, you've got you've got a uh, you've very got active a frogs, <laughs> very very active um, evil spirits right here working miracles, and they are gathering the leaders of the world, the political leaders of the world together, right? Yes. Okay, so you've got a religious movement here, but it's a very diverse religious movement because it originates with the beast, the dragon, and the false prophet. Those entities all exist within the realm of religion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you have a religious movement driving a political movement to unite the world. That's an ecumenical movement. That's true. And so what the Bible is telling us is that ultimately the ecumenical movement will be used to unite the world against God. And if you continue reading further on, of course, you'll find uh, persecution against God's people. You know, whenever you've got religion and politics mixed together, what you end up with is persecution. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, yes, continuing on from there, we were, had this question. All right, we had this question. What about those of other faiths? Take, for example, Lyle, you have like a tribe of like primitives out in the Amazon jungle who have mm-hmm. never been contacted. Um, Which literally exists, by the way. Literally exists, even right today. Now, even right today, now, literally exists. Never heard the name of Jesus, don't know anything about the Bible or God or nothing. Like, how can they be saved if they've never met Jesus? They don't know anything about Jesus. You know, because the Bible says, um, you know, John three sixteen. Um, for God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Whosoever believes in Him shall be saved and have <coughs> eternal life. So, how can they believe in someone they don't even know? Yeah, good question. Okay, here's what the Bible says: Romans chapter two and verse eleven. The Bible says, "For God is no respecter of persons; He does not look at the person in the Amazon jungle any different from how He looks at you." Right. Right. Yep. For as many as as have sinned without knowing the law, will perish without knowing the law, and as many have sinned knowing the law, will be judged by the law. Yeah. The issue here is sin, plain and simple. You commit murder, you know the Bible says, thou shalt not kill, you're judged, you're condemned. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin is death, that's it. But the primitive doesn't know that it's the Bible. He doesn't, know, he doesn't say he doesn't commit but murder. But he commits murder, he's still sinned, and he's still condemned to death. Uh-huh. All right, keep reading. 
For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law. So if you want to be just before God, you don't go and commit murder. Yeah. I'm simplifying this, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep, go yep, on. Yep. For when the Gentiles, or we should say the um, Amazon natives, which don't have the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. In other words, they keep the law. Mm. These who do not have the law are a law unto themselves. Now, the, the, the concept law unto themselves in Australia, we use that to describe a law breaker in the Bible. It's a law keeper. Mm-hmm. So you've got people in the Amazon jungle who keep the law of God. Yeah, because I think... Okay, how does that happen? Yeah, that's... It goes on yeah. to explain it. Okay, so, <clears throat> which show the work of the law. So, your, your, uh, your Amazon natives show the work of the law written in their hearts. And this is a key biblical principle here that tells us where morality comes from. Morality comes from God. Amen. There is zero evolutionary explanation for the existence of morality, and morality is universal around the world. And so the Bible goes on, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. The Bible says that God has given us all a conscience, and God speaks to every single one of us through a conscience. Some of us have the advantage of God also speaking to us through the Bible. Which is why we should take the Bible to indigenous tribes in the Amazon and indigenous tribes in Papua New Guinea, places where they've never been contacted. This is why we have a responsibility to take the Bible to them because that is a tremendous advantage. But that does not mean that they are without the voice of God. God speaks to every single person and God judges a person based on how they respond to his voice when he speaks to them through his conscience. Okay, now, if you are wondering, if you are wondering, <coughs> will it ever happen? You know, <coughs> because some people say, you know, uh, people would argue that, uh, uh, and the verse that you brought up is an interesting one, and I'll come back to that. But if you follow that verse to its natural conclusion, that unless you hear the name of Jesus, unless you believe in the name of Jesus, unless you confess the name of Jesus, you can't be saved, end of story, then what that does is it makes salvation geographical chance. Okay, so when you, when you understand what I'm saying right here by geographical chance, it means that salvation is only available to those who are fortunate enough to be born in a location mm. where they can actually hear about the gospel. Yeah, okay. And the vast majority of the population of our world historically, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And so that, that means that people are condemned simply because they are born in a certain place. Yeah, it's sad. This is not a God of love. I want to show you, a, show you a, just an amazing passage. This is uh, Zechariah. Um, this is Zechariah. This so I guess like in a nutshell, you could say that it, it's all about living up to the light that you have. And if That's all right, the light because, that you have is your the Bible conscience. Because when the Bible speaks about people being, the only, only way of being saved by the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. this is people who know Jesus. Yeah. Uh, this is not people who have never heard of Jesus. And so while you've got to, you and I read the context there. Yeah, and so while you and I are Seventh-day Adventists, <coughs> there's people in other denominations who might not have heard of like I don't know the Sabbath or the second coming, but they're still living up to the light that they have, then they'll still be saved. And like the natives who the, the primitives who might not never have read a Bible, if they're still living up to their conscience, which is the Holy Spirit speaking to them, then they'll still be saved as well. Okay, watch this verse. This is talking about a group of people in heaven. It says this. This is Zechariah 13:6. One shall say unto him, that's Jesus, 
What are these wounds in your hands? Clearly Jesus. This is a group of saved people in heaven. Wow. They come up to Jesus and they're like, what are these wounds in your hands? Mm. Now, if you think about that for a moment, the only scars that exist in heaven are in the hands of Jesus. So they wow, see yeah. lots of people. No one has scars. This is good. Then they see someone who does have, scar- have scars. That's going to stand out. That's going to prompt questions. They're going to ask, why do you have scars in your hands? And then Jesus is going to share the gospel story. He's going to do a gospel presentation. Oh, I want to be there for that. I want to hear that. So here is an evangelistic sermon preached to people who have never heard the gospel before by Jesus Christ. There might be people in heaven who have never even heard of Jesus. Oh, absolutely. Very large numbers of people who have never ever, this group here, they have never heard of Jesus. That's incredible. Yeah, it's just amazing. If we serve a God who is a God of love and has a way of providing salvation for every single person on this planet. We have our question of the day coming up next. Give us a call if you have a question. 1-800-FAITH-FM The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want He makes me lie down
They're living far longer and far happier than most people in the world. And now, their secret's out. Six regions have been identified as blue zones, places where people experience holistic health, and it's doing them a lot of favors. So do yourself a favor and come along to the free Rethink Health workshops, where we will explore six core principles of health and longevity proven through the Blue Zones at the Swansea Center Sunday, October 7, October 14, and October 21st. From 5 p.m. is where you'll find us. For more information, call 0402-528-869 or search for the Rethink Health event on Facebook.
that was Chelsea Moon there with He's Always Been Faithful. As we are back with our question of the day. Yes, Big one today. I could, do a, I could do a whole half hour Bible study on this well, one. Well, we'll be straight into it then. Today's question is, what is the abomination of the desolation? Okay, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. There are many, of course, who believe that the abomination of desolation was a sacrifice that was made by Antiochus Epiphanes, otherwise known as Antiochus who? Because nobody's ever heard of him. Um, I was just about to say that. (laughs) Uh, But they believe that it was a sacrifice where he sacrificed a pig on the altar in Jerusalem. Ew. And uh, there are those who would argue that, except that Jesus contradicts it. They, they missed the point of what Jesus said. Because, of course, Antiochus Epiphanes lived a long time before Jesus. So let me wipe out the whole Antiochus Epiphanes thing with one verse real fast, okay? Go on. So this is Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 15, where Jesus says, When, notice that, future tense, When you shall therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those which are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Okay, so the problem is this. If the abomination of desolation is still future, according to Jesus, who clearly believes in the prophecy of the abomination of desolation by Daniel, then why do so many Christians try and put it in the past and say Antiochus Epiphanes fulfilled this? That's a good question. Okay, the reason is because there were a bunch of Jewish people who were very, very upset, as you can imagine, when a pig was sacrificed on their altar. And so they called it the abomination of desolation, and, of course, Christians came along and like, oh, that must be the truth. No. Jesus said that was not the truth. He made it very, very clear that that was not the truth. So we need to understand what is the abomination of desolation. So there are three ways of looking at this. There is the historical way, there is the prophetic way, and there is the symbolic way. Let's see how much of this we have time to cover in question time. Okay, so historically this is what happened. The abomination of desolation is contrasted in the Bible. In fact, if we go to Daniel chapter 8, you can read the contrast there. The abomination of desolation is contrasted with the uh, continual desolation uh, which uh, or, or, or correlated to which symbolizes paganism. We're just gonna we're gonna move fast. So paganism. So basically what Jesus says, when you see paganism, stand in the holy place, then flee. It's that simple. The problem is, and Jesus here is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. That's the context of Matthew 24. The problem is that by the time the pagans, the Romans, had their gods inside the holy place of the temple, it was a bit late to flee because everybody was already dead. Like a million people had died by the time they got there. So that would make this prophecy a little bit pointless. So clearly the prophecy is not talking about the holy place of the temple. What many people missed was that there was another holy place. And this is what we call the two-mile exclusion zone around the city of Jerusalem. It was called the holy place. And it was the area in which no Gentiles were allowed to do any trade on the Sabbath day. So here's what Jesus in effect says. When you see... The abomination of desolation. In other words, when you see the pagan gods standing in the holy place around Jerusalem, then flee. The problem is that how do you flee when the city has been laid siege to? How do you get out? 
And the answer is very simple. When you read the history, here's what happened. The Romans came and laid siege to Jerusalem. The Christians recognized the sign. It's now time to get out. They waited. The Romans left. The Christians left. They moved out. They moved the headquarters of their church. They moved everything away from the city of Jerusalem. And a number of years later, the Romans came back, laid siege to the city. A million people died and not a single solitary Christian lost their life in the siege of Jerusalem because they followed the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's the historical application. However, anybody who has read Matthew 24 knows that there is more than just a historical application. Jesus is also talking about the sign of his the signs of his return. And so this is where it gets way 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 uh, deeper again. It goes to another level. And so there is a prophetic aspect to what is taking place here. And here's what I'm thinking. Why don't we make this one a part 1? And a part two. Oh, wild cliffhangers. A cliffhanger. Let's go over to Daniel chapter eight because this is where the prophecy originally comes from. And uh, we've got more time we can spend on this tomorrow. But this is a big question. Okay. So we've answered the historical application of it. Where's, where's Daniel? Daniel's escaped from my Bible. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And let's read what it actually says in the book of Daniel chapter eight. And verse 13, Then I heard one saint speaking unto another saint, said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? Here you have the abomination or the transgression of desolation. What can that possibly be all about? That's what we're going to answer tomorrow as we get into the tomorrow's question time. Oh, thank you so much, Lyle. Of course, we're not really sure we're happy about the cliffhanger, but we'll tune in again tomorrow to hear the rest of our question of the day. What is the abomination of the desolation? Of course, if you have a question about the Bible or anything else, you can give us a call here at Faith FM. Our number is 1-800-324-843.
Welcome back, guys. You are listening to Fernando Ortega, All Creatures of Our God and King. Here on Faith FM, we are about to give something away, and yes. this one goes along with our theme of Bible prophecy. Yes, it does. I actually watched this over the weekend with my housemates, and it was really, really good. I wanted to watch it like again was, straight away. Was it the first time you ever seen it? It's the first time I've ever seen it, and I loved uh, it. I Absolutely saw it at, I saw it at his launch. Oh, yeah, yeah, jealous. big screen. It was awesome. The premiere attending host we have yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it prophetic or in Queensland? Oh, oh special. Mm. So just in case we know what we're talking about, we are talking about the DVD called Kingdom Come, The History of Tomorrow. And it's about uh, when famed astronomer Carl Sagan saw the now world famous photo of our distant Earth known as the pale blue dot. And he captured it perfectly and referred to our planet as a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. And it was this sentiment that is still felt by millions today um, that our world has no meaning and no purpose but is that true this is this is a very powerful uh, documentary because it actually goes back into the history of the bible and some of the things that the bible um, discusses you have some uh, content there by you know some of the leading historians in our world you know and, and of course you know the, the opportunity then to compare what history says mm-hmm. with what the bible actually predicted yeah. And, you know, it, it goes into a prophecy that the only argument mm-hmm. that anyone has ever brought up against it is that it was written after the event. Yeah. Because yeah. the only way you can the only way you can explain this prophecy is by, oh, it must have been written after the event because it's just so Very incredibly accurate. accurate. Yeah. The problem with that, of course, is that only half of the prophecy could have, because we know it was written before the time of Christ, and only half of the prophecy was fulfilled by the time of Christ. It's a documentary so that that's not, filmed. It does not solve your problem. It's, it's a documentary that's filmed all over the world, so it's a very interesting watch. If you would like a copy of it, we have one to give away for free. Call us now. Be the first person. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Have a wonderful day. We, of course, will be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. We hope you have a blessed day. Grace came down and opened us like flowers. Love came flowing gently like a stream Kept us safe for a little while Till the waves rose higher and higher We learned in time those waters must recede But of this I'm sure The past don't own us anymore
Anymore. 